This week on Not Sam Wrestling, Kathy Kelly is my guest. We get into her career in the WWE and beyond. We're going to talk about money in the bank taking shape and a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Another busy week. Hello, everybody. Another very busy week in the life of the last professional broadcaster, but that's okay. Busy is good. Busy is great. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Another fun show planned for you this week. I mean, honestly, I've had a hellaciously busy day. Only to have a couple more. About to jump on a plane and... Well, and head to Orlando for a little bit. A couple of days. In the meantime, uh, tying up all the loose ends I can for this week here uh, and not Sam Home Base Central. And all I really want to do, I just find myself wanting to talk about this Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. Have you guys seen it? It's terrible. Terrible! But whatever. I did like the fact that there were the sounds from the original video game in the trailer. Like the ring sounds and the vvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvv
She's done uh, interviews. She does the uh, WWE Now, the the pre-show kickoff shows for every pay-per-view alongside Mike Rome. I mean, everywhere you look, Kathy Kelly is exercising another skill set in conjunction with WWE. She's a great example of uh, what it is to be successful in this day and age. You know, I mean, people have figured out microphones have gotten cheaper and the ability to talk into them is something that, believe it or not, everybody in the world is born with the ability to do. Everybody can talk into a microphone. It's up to you to develop a skill set to perform into that microphone that makes you a commodity. And Kathy Kelly has developed uh, uh, many skill sets that have made her a major, major commodity and a favorite of many people in the WWE universe. Of course, I've known Kathy for a really, really long time. Uh, I met her back in her After Buzz days. She was doing the NXT After Buzz after show. And this was even before After Buzz is, was the beast that it has become now. Uh, I, she worked with me when I was doing the Sam Roberts show. I'm sorry, Sam Roberts show with an apostrophe. Uh, at nights over on Sirius XM several years ago, she uh, would come in and be a regular uh, co-host, really, uh, two or three times a week, uh, every week. And we just had a blast. We had a podcast together for a while called Sam and Kathy, uh, uh, conveniently enough. And a lot of that stuff. And and it's been amazing to just watch her grow and grow and grow as a performer. So I thought it best, you know, she's been on the podcast before, but that was quite a while ago. I wanted to get an update from her. And not just a list of what she's doing, but, you know, I wanted to get into that big old brain of hers. See what she's thinking. See how she's feeling. Um, and talk to her about the growth that she has had, uh, as well as that uh, the the digital department over in WWE has had. So we get to all that and more with my guest this week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and I I just realized just now as I'm taping this intro, I didn't ask her if she came up with Queen Kathy herself. I don't know what the origin of that is. Maybe next time I see her, I'll tell you what. This week I'm going to ask her, and then I'll come to you next week with that answer because. She calls herself Queen Kathy on Twitter, and other people call her Queen Kathy. And I don't know if she gave herself that nickname or if that nickname was bestowed upon her. I mean, look, far be it for me to tell you that you can't create your own nickname because I prefer you not ask who thought of the last professional broadcaster because you're going to get a first-person pronoun as a response. However, uh, I don't know who started calling Kathy the queen, but to many people, she is the queen. To me... She's Kathy Kelly, and she's my guest on Not Sam Wrestling. Uh, why don't we go to it, huh? Yeah, sounds good. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. Well, look who's back here in the Not Sam studio on Not Sam Wrestling. Yeah. It's the one and only uh, WWE's Kathy Kelly. Hello. What's the haps? Um, not much. I'm very uh, excited to be back here. Yeah, are you? Nothing's changed. What do you mean nothing's changed? The couch <laughs> from over there used to be over here. Oh, wow. Okay. Everything's changed. It's yeah, a totally right. different world. Feng shui. Yeah, exactly. Some of the figures probably moved around a little bit, or we don't touch those. No, no, there was a huge move. They went from that side to that side. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's why it's not all that organized over there. But the uh, custom-made Sam Roberts is uh, right over there in the ring. But look, that's neither here nor there. No. That, that has nothing to do with anything. You're right. 
compared to everything going on in your life, <laughs> not much here has changed. It's all kind of the same. This is the where you come. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Right, right. Your life, it changes, it evolves. You get new responsibilities. You get bigger, you get bigger. And then you come over here and it's exactly as you left it. Yeah. <laughs> and I am exactly as you left me. The dog still misses me. The dog, Yeah, the dog is exactly the same. Everything is the same here and it always will be. But not for you. It mm. feels like... Uh, it feels like every time I turn around, you get something else going on. You officially, and we, I don't, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the air. What? But. I'm excited you, to hear what I did. <laughs> well, I mean, realistically, when you went to WWE, mm-hmm. like one of your, one part of this being your dream was to get a cooking show on the WWE <laughs> Network, right? Yeah. And so like, we go, okay, uh, SmackDown <laughs> becomes a thing. And I go, well, yeah, I mean, it's on YouTube. It's not technically on WWE Network, but this is it. Yeah. And then they go, oh, by the way, that thing we did, we're going to put it on WWE Network. I know. So it's like mission completed. Yeah, I found out that uh, Talking Snack was going on the network from a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the greatest tweet ever. I know. I was really excited. And are you sitting there uh, competitively uh, finding out what the numbers are as compared to uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins by Toys? Um. No. I would be. Well. I'm sure it's doing much, much better. <laughs> um, well, what's been going on? I mean, what's 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 life been like as of late? You're traveling like yeah. way more than ever. Traveling a lot more, which is what I wanted. Um, doing a lot more digital stuff uh, with more leeway, which is really cool. Doing a lot more long-form interviews, which I've been loving. You know that that's like my passion with yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like everything's just been growing and getting better. What's really cool, you being the kind of uh, linchpin of WWE Digital, I feel like. And you kind of grew into that role because when you first started at WWE, the assumption was like, oh, okay, I'll just do some YouTube videos because it wasn't that much of a thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, I guess the path is do some YouTube videos, then go to NXT, then go to SmackDown, then go to Raw, then go to Paper. Like, what you know what I mean? It was like, what's this path and they were like oh no 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 like it's gonna be something totally different and you grew along with the entire digital platform yeah to the point where you've built an audience that's enormous and you've done these huge events that before you were in the position that you're in weren't happening yeah so it wasn't like there was this set of uh, uh blueprints for you to follow and get to this place, it was like, no, now that we have Kathy. Pave your own path. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna build out this digital. I mean, I made a joke to my boss the other day that uh when I started WWE's YouTube was at uh around eight million and now it's at forty three million and there's only one thing that has changed. Yeah, I guess that leaves you responsible for by my calculations, hundred and twenty million. Is None that none of it? Is that, oh, oh. <laughs> But I mean, it's got to be pretty cool to Maybe go. Maybe like my mom subscribed. <laughs> but that is one of those things I feel like, you know, in especially in entertainment yeah. where you come on board, you expect something, it turns out to be different. But usually they pitch you on all this stuff that like, well, you know, we're not going to do this, but trust me, digital is going to be so much bigger. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. We're going to send you on the road. And in most spots, that just never happens. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, you're just kind of there. And then all of a sudden here... 
It happens. Yeah. I mean, like, you know what I went through to get to where we are now. Um, but, like, the first year was really hard and, like, difficult to navigate for me um, being in WWE. And now I'm at a place where I'm really happy career-wise and I'm happy personally. Um, so I feel like it all kind of came together. And that's the best place to create content is when, like, you're happy and you're excited to and do confident. things. Yeah. Like you're not sitting there questioning, what am I doing here? Yeah. You actually kind I of... I mean, they probably get a little annoyed with me because I'm just constantly pitching new things. I'm like, <laughs> hey, let's do a podcast. Let's do this. Let's do that. And they're it's like, like, Kathy, we've given you stuff. <laughs> it's been years now. Stop well, pitching. <laughs> no, it's not even that. A lot of the things I think will happen eventually. It's just the, uh, the whole digital brand has grown so much, especially in the three years that I've been there where I... Like, they don't even have enough space in their office right now. Like, um, so you are also responsible for the fact that they're leaving Titan Tower, <laughs> yes, because you heard it here. <laughs> I've got a bone to pick with that. I've been looking at that building for 20 years, driving up and down 95. No, I think that like, they were like, We need Kathy, Kathy keeps pitching stuff, <laughs> we're gonna have to move. So that we have room for all of our Kathy projects. Well, it's just, it's such a good problem to have that a lot of the, the original shows, and not even my shows, um, a lot of the um, the projects that they've built out have been so good and so successful that they've started putting them on the network as well. Um, where yeah. they've gotten so many views that then we can go off and create more projects because of the money that's coming in. So, um, you know, there are more editors and um, producers and everyone else under the digital umbrella and i think that's only growing what's been your favorite thing other than you know getting your baby talking talking snack my baby your baby what's been your favorite it took more than nine months to birth though. <laughs> it did it did well yeah it was uh, it wanted to stay inside it yeah. wanted to stay in and but, but still, once it came out it was beautiful a bun in the oven right 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 exactly I'm glad the puns haven't stopped. I'm not pregnant. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If any of these Twitter wrestling websites want to pick it up, I feel like you were hinting at something. Um, what's been your favorite thing? Not necessarily individual thing, but your favorite role that you now play that wasn't necessarily a role to be played when you first got to WWE? Um, I mean, like I mentioned just a little bit ago, I love doing the long-form interviews. And we, yeah. we do, like... Uh, before the big four pay-per-views, um, we've been just building out that entire week, the week before, and creating content. Um, and a lot of that is um, long-form sit-down interviews. And those are um, live, right? Yeah. Uh, so we did one with uh, Becky Lynch that was live to tape. Um, and then we did one with Seth Rollins. Um, and they're, you know, 45-minute not cut, um, like... That's really cool to me. It's unheard of. Um, and it, yeah, like I, I, I've never in WWE, like even when they do special longer form interviews, first of all, they're not 45 minutes. But secondly, like they're edited. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're they're presented in a certain way. It's really rare that there's ever been that sort of conversational thing. And I, I, I'm, I love that it feels like fans are really reacting to it. And WWE is seeing like, OK, tastes are changing and as much as you would think that internet culture has put attention spans in a place where it has to be every five seconds something new, the reality yeah. is people sit in front of YouTube and Twitter for hours well, to watch stuff. Well, that was the, um, I guess, the hurdle in getting these off the ground was, um, you know, so much of the analytics are people are only watching YouTube for 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. And to have something like that, that's a 45 minute long interview or some of the roundtables, which went over an hour, um, 
for the fans and they're tuning in and watching it in its entirety mm-hmm. is unheard of but also really cool yeah so is there a lot of pressure on you uh when you're doing those especially the live interviews that are long form knowing that the the people that you're trying to appease you know the people that are hiring you to do this are used to that quick style and or do you not do you try not to even think about any of that and just go i'm just gonna have an interview like i normally would i think it's just having an interview it's having a conversation about um things that everyone who's been on the panels has been super passionate about and when people are excited about what they're talking about i think it just it becomes enjoyable right and you can kind of feel in the moment you're like if i'm enjoying this people at home are probably enjoying this yeah and everybody's i'm also the most critical of my own stuff are you do you watch it back (laughs) i'll like give myself grades on interviews (laughs) what did you give yourself on the becky lynch interview (laughs) oh that was an a oh wow okay yeah yeah, super critical yeah it's got more must be tough must keep you up at night yeah a not the a plus huh whoa that's really a lot of self-doubt no (laughs) (laughs) have you had what's the worst i won't even ask you i mean you could tell me what interview it is what's the worst grade that you've given yourself have you given yourself any f's um, I mean, years ago, yeah. But not Probably like... before I started WWE. Right, everything's... A lot of Fs. Everything's at least been passing. Yeah. In the last couple years. Yeah. Yeah. What's the lowest that you'll give yourself now, would you feel like? Maybe like a B minus. So you're not self-critical. Well, no. B minus is like, if I when I was in high school, if I got a B minus... B minus is horrible. No, my parents were like, I don't know how you pull this off, Sam, but we're not going to ask any questions. A's. Every single one has to be the best per, or the person's best interview they've ever done. That's what oh, I want. really? That's what I want. I, yeah. don't, I don't think it's there yet, but that's uh-huh. what I, that's my goal. That that's would be you, an A plus. You str- so, well, then do you look back on all stuff that you've done and go like, I thought this was a B minus, but I sucked back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, if you think it's rough watching stuff you're doing now... Yeah, so in 10 years, I'll probably be like, wow, I'm yeah. really, You're really watching, bad. Yeah, this interview. <laughs> Just terrible. Go, the nerve of me to think <laughs> <laughs> that any of this was worth anything. Yeah, yeah I uh, I can't watch anything that I do or listen to anything that I do. Unless it's specifically for specific edit points or I'll watch for, you know, 45 seconds. Just to kind of feel the vibe of yeah. it. And if the vibe feels like oh, this feels like something that would be on TV, I turn it off before I find myself doing something that I will 100% give myself an F for. (laughs) Yeah. You know? I mean, there's definitely been times, like, that I've been watching content that I've done or created, and I know that they're going to put it up because I don't have any say over (laughs) what's uh, in the can, Um, and just be like, oh, that's so awful. I hope that no one watches this. (laughs) But is there a freedom in the fact that you're not responsible for the final edit, meaning you don't have the option of sitting there and going through it with a fine tooth comb? So you kind of just have to learn to just let go. Uh, I I do that with some things, but um, I think that I'm just a person that likes to be in control of everything in their life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, letting go of that a little bit is difficult for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it is it is easier. I yeah. mean, that's that's the best part about. That's why this I never do edits on the podcast. That's why, and I think it's just because I did live. I've done live radio for so long, because you just do a show and then it doesn't matter after. Like you yeah. just leave it there because you go and do the next one tomorrow. Yeah, and just push forward, push forward, push forward. I couldn't if I started sitting down and it was like you're responsible for the edit too. I'd only ever get one thing done in my entire life. Like yeah. we would just keep going back and going back and going back. I mean, I think years ago, prior to WWE, I stopped myself from doing a lot of stuff because I was so scared about what other people would think or scared that it wouldn't be up to my standard of good. 
Like you didn't think you could do it well. Yeah. So you're like, I'm not ready for this. Or I was so critical of like the content that I was creating or putting out um, that I didn't want it to. I don't want to do bad, so I'm not going to do. Go the universe, yeah. Yeah. Do you, so you don't have that in you anymore so much? You're a lot more willing to tr- just try and oh, just yeah, see? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think that's the other thing too. I'm sure, I would imagine in your position in WWE, you've been thrown into so many last minute situations and circumstances that you must develop this thinking and confidence is really what it is that whatever you're going to get thrown at you, you're going to be able to handle it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's been an instance where you go like, okay, this was a learning experience. I really can handle whatever gets thrown my way. Um, can you move your phone on the floor or something? That's oh, what that sorry. sound is. That's, I, I mean, you're busy. That, I don't know that I can think of anything off the top of my head. Um, I mean, things that have been somewhat challenging um, recently were we were doing red carpets for a little bit mm-hmm. um, under the WWE umbrella and going into a Kids' Choice Awards or something like that where, um, you know, not everyone is completely familiar with the product Mm -hmm. (laughs) and answering questions about uh wwe superstars uh trying to create a package out of that is a little challenging right but uh i i don't know like i think that everything um you know you adjust and uh you learn from it you just keep moving yeah yeah do you like better uh taped or live um i like both for different reasons what are the reasons um, I like live because, um, you know, you can't go back and be critical or, I mean, you can't go back. And you can definitely go back and be critical, but there's, but there's nothing, nothing you can do. You can do and yeah. So it's completely out of your control. Um, and it, then I like tape stuff because, uh, you know, you just, it creates a really cool product. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Outcome. So you're doing the long form interviews really just for the big four right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that'll change moving forward. Um, that you'll do more of them, you think? We'll do more of them, yeah. Um, I'd like to think so. Yeah. Um, I like to think that Talking Snack will come back for a second season. <laughs> I like to think that, uh, you know, we're just expanding under the digital brand and we'll have a lot more shows, um, like discussion shows, um, and other content, which will be great. And you're hosting live a lot, too. Like, not, like, live uh, to broadcast, but it seems like you're doing a lot of live panels and things like that. Yeah, we're, um, I mean, we don't really call them panels, but the, the WWE Now lives before... Um, no, I mean, the, like, uh, uh, like, uh, Comic Cons and, and oh, yeah. South, South by Southwest, Southwest and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, those have just been kind of thrown at me, and those have been so much fun. Really? Yeah. So it's just like, hey, we're going to go do this, and you just jump up and kind of throw, introduce everybody, moderate... Do the well, deal? I mean, those are those are the events that, like, I looked up to when I was younger. Like, right. I remember, like, seeing Comic-Con or whatever it is, like, and wanting to go. Um, and now, like, hosting a panel, um, which was probably my biggest fear when I was a kid. of Speaking, speaking publicly speaking in front publicly. of an audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and getting to do that. And, um, yeah, like, I feel, uh, I don't know that lucky is the right word, but really grateful yeah fortunate um, for those opportunities yeah i like the word fortunate yeah yeah now do you still have that public speaking fear um because like and i asked because i mean like it was debilitating I see. Child, yeah, yeah. so not <laughs> to the same extent you know how you can tell it's better because i do it yeah <laughs> no i was just watching this video uh that wwe put out as a matter of fact of yeah. x-pox uh 
week at the Performance Center, and he was going out in front of a crowd at one of like the Florida NXT shows. So yeah. it's you know a few hundred people in the audience, and he's like talking to camera right before he goes out, and he goes, "I don't know if anybody knows this, but I am." terrified of speaking in public Aww. and i'm like what like <laughs> x-pac like promo after wrestlemania 14 like bish off this but like you're still afraid of speaking in public and he is i mean he goes up there and he, he just he crushes it but that's his that's his truth he's still he's still afraid of it i call him uncle sean <laughs> <laughs> he really is amazing do you but so you don't do you get what to what level is your fear of public speaking now now, um, I mean, I'll get a little bit nervous, but I'll recognize that the, the nerves are more excitement than fear. Right. Um, yeah. When did you get over your debilitating fear of public speaking? <laughs> Yesterday? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I think that you, I just kind of like uh, was less and less scared every time. Right. So you just start, you just force yourself to do it. Yeah. Like I remember uh, in high school, uh, we performed in front of like the school assembly um i was playing bass guitar at the time uh and we had to <laughs> like for like, real playing like a, in a band yeah we like oh. uh performed in front of the entire school um which is three thousand kids and just being so scared that i could barely move my fingers which when you're playing <laughs> bass guitar is like okay. so, not <laughs> not uh optimal yeah yeah <laughs> so so the first key to getting over your public speaking was figure out how to move your fingers in public yeah that was before you can move your mouth yeah and sound could come like, out like walking out to the stage and not right, okay that was the yeah. first step yeah. what were you playing like i know you're playing bass but what songs were you playing god i don't even remember what type of music um couldn't tell you you don't know the what you were playing? Blacked out, I think. <laughs> I don't know that I remembered what I was playing when I was playing it. Right. At the time, you probably didn't give yourself an F, but realistically. No, I definitely would have given myself you did. an F. Yeah. Okay. So why didn't you keep up with bass guitar? Um, I did for a little bit. Actually, um, it's kind of funny because, so I, I really wanted to be in a band for a really long time. Um, and then when I was in high school, um... I was, I mean, we had like a girl band, it was three of us, and we played a couple shows, and then I realized... Was it inspired by Josie and the Pussycats? No. Okay, well, that was a good movie at the time, <laughs> so... It was inspired by Fall Out Boy and a lot of other emo bands oh. in Chicago, um, but yeah, wanted to be in a band, and then one day, so I also joined our high school's news program, where we did a live uh, news show every week on our local affiliate, and... Um, one of my uh, assignments was to cover the Battle of the Bands at our high school. And so I did a package on it and I loved it. And that's kind of how I got into hosting. So you're like, I'm in this ridiculous Battle of the Bands stuff. I don't need to be in this battle. I'm yeah. going to put this package together and just report on these other sh Screw schmucks. Boards, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these jamokes playing bass guitar. I'll just talk about yeah. them. Yeah. But you see, that's like the wild thing to me. And I think that it's more common than people realize is that like, on one end, you are debilitatingly petrified yeah and when i say petrified i mean in the literal sense like petrified means that it turns into a rock and it can't move you are petrified to speak in public but what you <laughs> want to do with your life is speak to an audience yeah and i think maybe at the time it was a little bit easier for me since i was so introverted to um you know put something into uh, a space where people could see it but i was 
in charge of editing it and filming it and just had to learn right. how to talk to one camera as opposed to thousands of people. Yeah, and there is a thing where when you're putting the whole thing together, you can kind of retreat into the project. And it's not so, like the audience is this thing that happens somewhere over here, but you're in your own little world of just putting all these puzzle pieces together. So the part of you talking into a camera, I mean, this is how it works in my head. It just becomes one element and you almost separate yourself from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Like, like you almost separate yourself from the fact that you're talking into this camera because you're thinking about the story you're telling and where this is going to be edited in here and I'm going to put voiceover over there. Yeah. So it becomes a little bit easier because you're not thinking about it so much as public speaking. Yeah. Do you miss that part of it, like the editing part of it? So video editing was really therapeutic for me. Like mm -hmm. I could uh, I could get lost in like editing a project, um, especially when I was in high school and like learning how to do it. Um, and then I did it a lot more in college. Um, I remember actually in one of the news classes that uh, I was in, our teacher didn't know anything about video editing, which was a major portion of the class. So <laughs> I was teaching the 20 students, oh. how to edit on Avid. Um, <laughs> now, did you did you push yourself for this position or did the teacher just go like, oh, you know this? Oh, could you tell them? I think it was, she was struggling to explain what it was. And so I just kind of did it for everyone. Right. Well, um, you've always been an Avid learner. I beat you to it. Go on. I'm proud. <laughs> I'm not laughing <laughs> with you. I think you are. Um, but so, yeah, so you, so, but, so when did you fall off of that, uh, or, or when did that become less of a priority for you? Um, I mean, I don't think that it's ever become less of a priority. It's just that Are we editing video things. right now? Um, I mean, I edit little movies on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the same thing as working on an avid. I know. Um, no, I think that, uh, honestly, I would say what stopped me from editing stuff more so was that I got a new computer and I didn't have all of the editing software. <laughs> I just don't know where it went. So, um, yeah, that, right, that so definitely uh, hindered. Getting software, never your strong suit. But once the software is there... <laughs> You can really utilize it. Yeah, okay. Totally. No, that makes total sense. Yeah, I mean that's a, video editing is one of those skills where like you learn it, mm -hmm. but technology is moving so quickly that like you knew how to do it a couple years ago. I don't think that it's ever gonna like it's just like riding a bike. No, because I yeah. look at it and I go like I know how to edit video like crazy. I've yeah. been editing video for years, and I can still edit video the way I edit video. But then Hot Dog will send me something Didn't like I animated. Used to edit video for you, for yeah. Not Sam's YouTube, yeah. Yeah, but then Hot Dog will send me something with all these crazy animations on it, and I go, "How the hell do you do that?" Oh yeah. What are well, you? That's, that's a separate program. What are you in, like Steven Spielberg? And he's like, "No, dude, it's it's really easy to do." Yeah. But that's I mean, what I mean, like like the technology. Those are the things though that like a teenager could watch one YouTube video right. and figure it out. Right, but we're old. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a really interesting podcast on video editing. I know, right? <laughs> I'm sure people really enjoy this one. <laughs> well, you know, people, I mean, the, the journey is part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, what are you doing now when you're not, you're on the road uh, pay-per-view weekends, right? Pay-per-view weekends and usually about one other. Um, oh, so it's like. Uh, or Monday, Tuesday. It ends month. up being yeah. a couple times a, a month. month. Yeah. Oh, so that's pretty regularly. Yeah, going down to NXTs too. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. And you enjoy that. You like the travel. 
Um, yeah, I love to travel, but I think it's more um, the work? enjoying the work that we're doing. So Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hate to travel, but work like the do getting to do fun stuff all the time is the greatest thing in the world yeah it's it's amazing um do you still how do you do you still have like specific goals in terms of you know i want to do this this is something i want to accomplish while i'm here or have you gotten to the point where you're like my goal is to just get better and better and see where this thing goes um I definitely have goals. Um, I don't know that I have like specific um, goals of like times that I have to meet certain things. Like yeah. I would love to do a podcast or do. Um, You're doing one but... right now. Congratulations. <laughs> my own podcast. Oh. So I would love to have my own. Oh. Um, I would love to like doing the long form interviews that we've done a few of. I would love to do a weekly version of that. Um, I would love to do more talking snack. I would love. Um, I have no idea what the the upcoming Fox Sports One show uh, is going to be, but I would love to be involved with that. Yeah. Um, I think um, you know being here or being with WWE. Was oh, I thought you meant here so in the Nazi Studio. Uh, that was congratulations never a goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and recently I would say like within the last year, um, I was getting frustrated with not hitting certain goals um, by a certain time for myself. And so I kind of shifted my mindset to um, my goal has always been to um, be a role model be the the type of person and have the type of career that I always wanted. Um, and I think that I am hitting those goals every day. So um, happy with where I'm at, but also not content with staying there, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I, I'm, I, you're satisfied in the moment, but that doesn't mean that you're finished. Yeah. Right. Like you're happy with where you're at. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, you always wonder how people are going to put up with like when you when you set a goal there are so many people that get stopped because they complete it early you know what i mean like the goal comes early they don't really have to work that hard or as hard as they thought for it and it gets presented to them and at the time it's like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever but most of the time when that happens you get to this place where people fall off because they got nothing else going yeah. on, you know what I mean? And the the people that actually do achieve crazy dreams are the ones that weren't handed everything or had to work really hard for everything. Right. Sometimes invisibly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like nobody will really kind of figure out exactly what the what the journey was the entire time. Or no one was or paying attention. Been. Right, yeah. No <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. It's like it could be all right there and just no one was paying attention. And then finally one day... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I always go back to those the quotes about uh, it taking twelve years to become an overnight success, totally. or the ten thousand hours, yeah. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah. Now, does that does good stuff happening? Right, you ending up in WWE or your shows, like your, your you know the travel, all the stuff that's been going well. Does it give you uh, security in the sense that you go, I don't need to be so anxious about what's going on because stuff happens. Like you just do good consistently and you do a lot of it and good stuff just happens. What I don't know the question. Meaning like when good stuff hasn't happened, yeah. You start going like I know maybe I'm speaking for myself yeah. where you go this is never going to happen. 
You know what I mean? And you like the, that anxiety of, oh my God, like, how am I going to pull this off? Like, this is what I want to do. And it's just not happening. And it's just not happening. When stuff starts to happen and you still want more. Yeah. It's a little, the more I feel like becomes a little bit more realistic in your head because you say to yourself, I don't need to worry about making sure that this happens today because good stuff happens when you keep working. I, I definitely think that I have in the past had anxiety about that stuff. Um, like I used to have a lot of anxiety about time and like hitting certain goals on a certain timeline. Um, and now I don't think I do as much. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know every single day, like I'm still moving forward. Right. Um, even like failures or things that don't work out. You don't, haven't are, had any. I'm still moving forward. You haven't had any failures. <laughs> haven't had any you haven't failures. gone below a B minus. Not in my book. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like when things don't work out exactly how you want them to, um, that that's like you're still moving in the right direction mm-hmm. and it'll present itself in time as to why that didn't work out that way. Now I noticed on Twitter, you're a big fan of the, uh, uh, firefly family, firefly, Funhouse. firefly, Funhouse. <laughs> say that five times. Yeah, fast. <laughs> yeah. I can't even get out. What you're a huge fan of this. I love it. Of what's going on with Bray Wyatt right yeah. now. I do too. I'm, 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 I'm thrilled Intrigued, about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's so weird and bizarre, especially on Monday when he starts like going like sociopath is the word of the day. And I go, okay, we're getting into All it now. All of the children who are watching. Yeah. I was literally like, I saw a tweet from somebody that goes like, hey, my daughter was watching Naomi and now she knows what a sociopath is. <laughs> I like, just hope the kids go around like, uh, you know, kindergartner goes into school and <laughs> goes up to their teacher you're a sociopath (laughs) and then spells it out (laughs) i'm gonna tell you something if there's a kindergartner that knows that understands the word sociopath and can spell it that would be called an advanced student that's a good thing you know what else do you like right now that's going on in WWE? What what gets you excited that you go like, yeah, I work for this company? Um, Bobby Roode's mustache. <laughs> Robert Roode, excuse Robert. me. Oh, yeah, that's um. the other thing. I, I read, correct me if I'm wrong, that you did pitch doing an expose on Robert Roode's mustache. Is that yeah. right? Um, I would love to do like a Dateline episode (laughs) behind why he has the mustache. Right. Now, are you thinking like, okay, we'd frame this where we'd interview Robert Roode, but we'd just frame the mustache? Um, No, I I would think we would ask him, like we would do a sit down interview with him, Mm -hmm. very stylized, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the lighting, very like moody, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe get like a couple uh, very slow-mo black and white black and white shots of uh, Mastro's backstage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The beard covers. Um, and, you know, then do a, a list of uh, the best mustaches that we have seen in WWE in the past. But you keep strictly to mustache talk. Yeah. I think that that's what the people would want, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, I think it's a good idea, and I feel like you... create that quality content for the people, Sam. That's it. Well, that's what it's all about at the end yeah. of the day, isn't it? It's the audience. And I don't think that one grows that mustache... And presents it uh, in such a way without wanting to share it with the public. Yeah. So right now your favorite things are the Fire Fun 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 House. Firefly Fun House. Uh, and Robert Rude's mustache. Honestly, so much of my favorite stuff happens in NXT. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. What's what's crazy to me about NXT right now is I think more than ever right now they're just getting their talent rated on a regular basis like first they come in and they take that wave of ec3 and lars and lacy and heavy machinery and you're like oh okay and alistair and ricochet right and then right after that alistair and ricochet are gone and then uh the 
Viking Raider experience is gone. <laughs> and, and you know, and, and like literally they're still the tag team champions and they're on the main roster. Yeah. And you go and, and Ciampa goes out with an injury and you think that, you know, because NXT does these takeovers where they're, you only have room for four or five matches and you end up seeing a lot of the same talent at takeovers because this is your cream of the crop talent. Yeah. These, this is the talent that deserves to be at these takeovers. You worry that, oh my God, with all these people leaving, they're going to deplete NXT. And then somehow it co- continuously comes back stronger. Yeah. And you're like, I, cause you, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I haven't put my finger on how they do it. I mean, you, you, you talk about someone's journey and like working silently for so long. A lot of the, the superstars at NXT, they've been working, like they've been at the performance center for two, three years, um, sometimes longer, uh, and finally getting the opportunity to show what they're capable of on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, the, lucky people in Florida who get to go to the live events get to see it every single weekend but there are so many people who have been working for so long um, and then there's just a day when it clicks and then finally they get their opportunity Um, but I think overall like NXT is just such a special show Mm -hmm. Um, you know how big of a fan I was of it prior to uh, coming to WWE Um, and now I think it's like it's even cooler than it was Three years ago. It's as good as it's ever been, yeah. which is a lot because, and I know that sounds like, you know, kind of company line-ish, but it's true. And and you can- You're s- a shill, so. Well, yeah, there's a t-shirt that says <laughs> it. But at the same time, I'm also apparently burying talent uh, <laughs> on, on various forms of uh, commentary. Bianca Belair is one of my favorite human beings and I think one of the most talented people at NXT right now. That's great. Not- the most. Right. Yeah. Not not the most. If not the most. Oh, I would say not the most talented person. But I didn't say she wasn't talented. Mm. And I've never said anything about her as a person. Mm. She seems like a great person. Anyway, I digress. Besides, nobody's mad at me about Bianca Belair anymore. They're all mad at me about Dana Brooke. Um, <laughs> but regardless of all that, um, I mean, you look at the takeovers and consistently every show, it's either as good or better. Than the last one, and I think the last like year and a half of takeover shows has been by far the best year and a half of takeover shows they've ever done. Yeah, and you know, and 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 again, you go back and you're going like, oh, Champa gets out is lost from the main event a week before takeover. How is this gonna work? Exactly, you go I'm like, okay, the they're allowed to have one dud, right? Give them one strike. They've had just show after show after show, and then Adam Cole, it's like, hold my beer. <laughs> and like, and you go, oh my god, they did it again. Well, did you think that Undisputed Era wouldn't deliver? Of course they were. I, yeah. Of course I knew they were going to deliver. Uh, okay, so let's say Vince McMahon comes up to you and he goes, Kathy. Yeah. And you go, oh my god, yes, Vince. Uh, <laughs> I would be intimidated. And uh, he goes, what are my top two to three NXT recruits right now? Who should I be looking at to bring up to the main roster? Oh, like, wow. who, Who's the future of this company? You're there. For all the TV tapings, yeah. you're there. You're as aware as anybody could be of the product. Um, Velveteen Dream, mm-hmm. Bianca Belair. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a third one. Yes. Okay. And give me one that isn't uh, isn't Adam a Cole? takeover regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was no, gonna say, no, that's undisputed era. Yeah, those yeah. are those are my three. Right. Well, I mean, and then that, I get like six. And then <laughs> you know, he's just undisputed era. Right. But then I'll go. No, I know about those people. I okay. watch halftime heat. Okay. Come on, Kathy. Tell me something I don't know. Uh, Candice LeRae. Okay. Casey Catanzaro. Okay. Do you want more? (laughs) 
no, I guess that's and just two. list yeah. everyone. Yeah, you're like everybody is so <laughs> awesome over there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's extraordinary what's happening. Um, who do you like on the main roster right now? Who do you like to watch in terms of matches, not in terms of facial hair and uh, children's television shows? Um, and if you say Ricochet and Alistair Black, I'm like, this. that's the biggest cop-out I've ever heard in my life. Because I just am trying to depart from NXT, and you're like, these awesome guys from NXT are awesome on the main roster. Well, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no. I'm not, I wouldn't blame when when the uh, Viking Raiders or, or Alistair Black or Ricochet or any of those guys come out. I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna be incredible. So yeah. I totally get it. But I mean, like, apart from your NXT people, um, I mean, I you know how big a fan I was of the women main eventing this year's WrestleMania. Yeah, I know. Um, we did a watch along. You started, uh, you started crying because <laughs> I had to be in a watch along with you for five. Hours. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> These are tears of sadness, actually. <laughs> and then just tears of joy getting to hang out with Pat McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I genuinely like that was such an incredible moment um and something that i hope to tell my future children someday uh being there and um working that specific wrestlemania but uh yeah i think the women are so exciting right now like i i don't know yeah like that's what i want to watch so yeah a part of it is really cool it's pretty remarkable yeah you were crying like uh well you were crying like uh sam roberts in the avengers uh endgame Oh, did you cry? I got a little watery. Aww. I don't even care about Marvel, and I got a little watery. Yeah. Did you see it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had to wait. My mom was in town, so I had to wait until Sunday when she left. Oh, really? Because she was not going to sit through a three-hour-long movie that she knew nothing about, and then she would just probably ask me questions. The While the movie time. was happening? Yeah. That's really convenient. <laughs> yeah. Mom, I've been waiting 11 years for yeah. this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was a very emotional day, a huge roller coaster, because I went to see Endgame mm-hmm. um, right when she left, and then we had uh, the battle, battle of Winterfell. Oh, that <laughs> was Sunday as well. Yes. So, yes. Just, uh, uh, yeah, I know what that was. That, day. that was my first episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, it's so funny because I was sitting with my friend the other day. Uh, we went to get uh, lunch on a Sunday, and um, she's like, "Oh, what are you doing later?" I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go home. You know, get stuff prepared for tomorrow. Watch Game of Thrones." She's like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch Game of Thrones too." I didn't realize that she meant season one episode. <laughs> one. She's gonna like... start. <laughs> It was just so bizarre to me. Yeah. No, but I mean, they do a good job on that show. I got swept up. I was like, oh, man, this area chick is great. I didn't know <laughs> who she was. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I area. <laughs> area. This <is> area chick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been watching all of the seasons, and there's still people that I don't know their names. I'm horrible at that stuff. Well, especially because those names are like... Like out of, you know, mythology book or something. It's They're impossible. A George R. R. Martin book. Is that where they're from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame you for not knowing those names. Like, they're insane. What? Most of the Game of Thrones names. Yeah. They sound like just syllables thrown together. They're not real things. True. George R.R. R. Martin just was having a, having himself a time. Yeah. And decided to go for it. Well, what's next for you, Kathy? What's next for me? I'm getting on a plane uh, in a few hours mm-hmm. to go to NXT. Oh. Um, and then what do we have? We have uh, Money in the Bank coming up. We're doing another watch along, which I'm assuming you will be there for. I haven't been told about it, but oh. I'm assuming well, I'll I've been told about stroll it. <laughs> in and have stuff thrown at me or something. Yeah. yeah. Another cupcake to the face. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. I feel no sympathy for you about that. Why? Because I got a cupcake to the face 
during the first match of the show, and I still had to go out there and be Who in full hair and makeup. At you? Uh, Big Show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna say? You know, I mean, <laughs> Big Show threw a cupcake in your face. He, uh, so I was going to eat a cupcake, and he goes, "Oh, they smell weird." Then <laughs> okay, well, you just had it like tapped. I mean, I had it literally smushed into. I was cleaning icing out of my beard for a week. Well, and that, if you by had the way, a mustache that wouldn't be a problem. You're right. You're right. That's what Robert Rude was thinking. He watched that watch long, and he was like, "I'm not gonna get stuck in that position." Yeah. And by the way, pretzels the, in your hair. It's true. The watch along before the watch along before that, they were th- throwing things at me too. Food. These iconics are bad people, and people don't understand that. I think they're great people. They are two of my favorite people to watch. That's that's my favorite part. I think of uh, SmackDown and now Raw since they're on both. Well, they're the champions. Yeah, they yeah. don't win matches, but they're the champions. They did win a match. At WrestleMania? At WrestleMania, which yeah. is when it matters. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. Okay. All right. All right. You didn't realize? I didn't realize that was the only time it mattered. I knew that they won that match because they came in and to brag about winning the match, smushed a cupcake on my face. I remember. I was there. Who do you not hate? I don't hate anybody. Yeah. The internet seems to think otherwise. Well, the internet hates me, so that's on them. Perfect. You know, that's that's Feelings their mutual. That no, that's that's their issue, not my issue. I don't hate anybody. I just comment on what I see. You know, it's important. Yeah. Somebody's not all opinions see. are right. No, but mine usually are. Yeah. I, I well, you know what? This isn't about me, Kathy. This is about you. My opinion is that you're fantastic. Oh. Okay, well, that one's right. <laughs> One for 23. <laughs> I knew I when you back. Well, Kathy, you're, uh, you've succeeded. You know why? Why? Because you're my role model. Aww. I shape everything that I do after, uh, after you. Uh, you're, for me and young girls everywhere, you are our <laughs> role model, and we look up to you, and you're the person that we all wish that we had growing up. <laughs> are you crying? I am. Oh. I am. This is, yeah. You're getting teary. Sorry, no. I just think about the Avengers again. <laughs> <laughs> it's really emotional. Um, well, where can they follow you on social? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Katherine Kelly and on Instagram at Kathy Kelly. You haven't fixed that yet, huh? Uh, I like to keep it inter- interesting. Interesting? Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. keep people on their toes. Keep the branding off kilter. Why not? <laughs> follow me on uh, WWE's YouTube. Yes, WWE's YouTube channel. It just keeps growing exponentially and exponentially. Um, And I I mean, that's how I keep up with you. I look forward to seeing what you're going to do next. Thank you for making the time, Kathy Kelly. (laughs) Of course. Thanks for having me. Why are you laughing at that? No reason. (laughs) (laughs) It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. And welcome to the State of Wrestling this week. Um, I'm busier now than I was at the start of this podcast somehow. It's amazing. I don't know what's going on. If I sound a little different than I've been sounding for the rest of it, that's because I've stepped out of the Not Sam studio. For you guys that listen at patreon.com slash wrestling, all the Not Sam shills that are used to getting the podcast uh, on Wednesday afternoons and are wondering why it's late Wednesday night that you're finally getting the show, well, it's because I'm here in Orlando. It's the same reason. The reason it sounds different and the reason the show is later uh, for the advanced people is because I'm in a hotel room in Orlando uh, this morning. So yesterday I started the podcast and uh, and recorded the intro and recorded the interview with Kathy Kelly. And now and then I woke up in the morning. I did this Sirius XM radio show, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, jumped on a plane, flew to Orlando 
got spruced up, got to the hotel, did the whole deal, and went straight to the NXT TV tapings tonight. Just uh, figured I'd come down to Orlando and uh, hang out with the boys and watch the show a little bit. I'm not uh, a part of the NXT TV tapings or anything like that. Uh, I don't want to... I think there are spoilers out there of who the new commentator is on NXT, but I won't tell you just in case you don't, you know, you don't want to get spoiled, but I will tell you I am not uh, down here to do NXT commentary. I'm just spending a, a couple of days down in Orlando and uh, checked out the tapings tonight. And they were great, obviously, but I couldn't let the evening pass. And then tomorrow morning I wake up and the plan is to do a remote from Orlando, do Jim Norton and Sam Roberts with Jim in New York and myself in Orlando, it just, I always get nervous that the technology is going to work. So we'll see if it does or not uh, tomorrow morning. You know, by the time you hear this, we probably will know if that technology worked or not. It should work, but you just never know. But regardless, I couldn't let the day end. I couldn't let the sun come up in the morning without going over the top five stories of the week, according to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster in the world of pro wrestling. So here we go. State of wrestling time, and we start with story number five. Technically an MMA story, but it applies to the world of pro wrestling absolutely, and that is that Dana White was quoted, Brett Akamoto from ESPN, he uh, uh, posted a thing on his Twitter account um, with, that he was he was talking to Dana White. It's coming from Brett and Ariel Hawani, who's a buddy, uh, who they were talking about Daniel Cormier and his potential next fight against Brock Lesnar and Dana White pushing the fact that the next fight will probably be against Stipe Miocic. Um, Dana White said, Brock Lesnar told me he's done. He's retiring Brock Lesnar retiring from the world of MMA. I think that that's a very good idea for Brock. You know, MMA is something that it, it's very difficult for, first of all, it's very difficult for anybody to do, especially if you haven't been doing it all your life. Now, of course, Brock is in a different category because, you know, he was an, an, an incredible NCAA wrestler. So with that skill set and the fact that he's this freak athlete and the size of a truck, he, he is going to be able to do fine, and he had a pretty spectacular UFC career, in my personal opinion, especially given what his background was, and quite frankly, the lack of MMA background. Um, you know, he beat some pretty impressive people, and even the people he didn't beat, he had some pretty impressive fights. However, he had his bout with diverticulitis, he's gotten older, and MMA is a young man's game. I think that uh, the last thing we want, and the last thing that Brock Lesnar wants, there's no reason for him to get into that octagon and not be performing at 100%. To go into the octagon one more time just to not look better than he looked before seems like a waste of time. So I think he's making the right move. The question then comes up, what is his future like with WWE? Rumors were going crazy this week. Uh, some people saying that Brock Lesnar is going to retire at WrestleMania 36. It's going to be his last match. Um, quite frankly, I don't think Brock Lesnar should ever retire. I don't think that he needs to have a retirement match. Brock Lesnar has redefined what a superstar can do with their career. 
You know, Brock Lesnar, he could wrestle even less if he wants. He's like the the Howard Stern of wrestling in the sense that Howard Stern has reached a point where he doesn't need to work that much. He can do three days a week and take, you know, 15 weeks off a year for vacation or whatever he does because he's he's a draw because whatever you give him, whatever he gives you in that world is going to make a huge impact. And that's what Brock does. Um, you know, I, I think Brock could wrestle even less if that's something that he wanted to do and still have a pretty significant value to WWE. Now, I do think that for situations like that, it's really important that he not have the Universal Championship. You know, I don't think that his schedule, it's not right because of his schedule to take one of the major titles out of play. There's just no reason to have that title then. But I don't think Brock even needs a title to be a draw. Uh, He just needs to keep winning. You know, the last thing that I I think that one of the worst things WWE did with Brock Lesnar, and I think the reason they did this was because the Brock Lesnar model had not been proven before Brock Lesnar showed up in WWE uh, for his most recent run. Um, But he got beat quite a bit before he beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. I mean, he lost to Triple H. He lost to John Cena. You know, before he started winning matches nonstop, he was losing matches. His 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 role was the more traditional part-timer role, which is he's only going to be around, you know, a handful of times a year. So those handful of times, let's hype him up, let's get him in the ring, let's have somebody beat him and look stronger for it. What WWE didn't realize they could do is make his part-time schedule uh, an even bigger piece of the folklore and and make it so that Brock Lesnar feels even more unbeatable. So when somebody finally does, a la Seth Rollins, it should mean quite a bit. Now, I don't think it helps that Seth Rollins gave him a low blow. I think that that does take away a little bit from the victory. But I definitely think uh, that it works. And I think that, you know, I've never been in the ring. I don't know what the wear and tear feels like for Brock Lesnar. His matches are incredibly physical um, and incredibly hard fought. You know, I'm sure every match he has, other than the five second ones, he comes out feeling like he got into a car accident. But I think if you're only getting into the ring four times a year, Brock Lesnar could easily shift into an Undertaker schedule where he's really only getting into the ring one time a year. And still be successful. There's no reason for a guy who can get by doing one match a year, theoretically. There's no reason for that guy to retire. I mean, why retire if you're Brock Lesnar when instead you could just disappear? Brock Lesnar could disappear for three years and come back and just wrestle one match here, one match there. So if I'm Brock Lesnar, I'm never retiring from wrestling, and I wouldn't be shocked if Brock Lesnar never retires. Also, because he's a monster. Like, having that sympathetic goodbye, one last hurrah match is not like, you know, that's not a story I think you want to tell with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar's a guy that you could put in the Hall of Fame and he could just continue to have these matches after that. So uh, I don't think Brock Lesnar should ever retire. It'll be interesting to see if he does. You know, he is the type of guy that could just decide to go up into the hills of Canada and, and just never come out again, not be a public person anymore, which is fine. 
but I don't think he should. I think he should just keep wrestling the and just keep decreasing and decreasing his schedule because why not? We'll still pay to see him. Uh, story number four this week is the Money in the Bank ladder matches um, have, have panned out. So as we talked about last week, we've got Becky versus Lacey. We've got Becky versus Charlotte. Personally, I think Becky should and will lose at least one of those two matches. You've got um, Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles, of course. Um, you've got uh, Kevin Owens now versus Kofi Kingston is official. We kind of saw that coming, I think. And we've got Roman Reigns versus Elias. The men's and women's ladder match participants were announced. We theorized last week who might be in them. I think I did pretty good with my predictions. I did excellently on the women's ladder match, and I did all right on the men's ladder match. Men's ladder match is Ricochet, Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Randy Orton, Andrade, Finn Balor, and uh, Ali. You know, I think that this match is going to be designed for a few things. You know, I think that Ali is one of the favorites walking in, because I love the story that's being told, that it's being acknowledged that, look, the reason Kofi Kingston was able to have this run that he's having right now, the reason Kofi Kingston became a contender for the WWE Championship and ultimately the WWE Champion is because Ali was injured. Because Ali couldn't work in the Elimination Chamber, and that's what started Kofi Mania. So Ali is going into this Money in the Bank ladder match not just to win an opportunity at the WWE Championship, but to reclaim the spot that he was in that was taken away from him by Kofi Kingston. Um, you know, I think that uh, Finn Balor's going to look spectacular. You got a, a Ricochet, who's got the opportunity to get up on that ladder and show the world everything that he can do. You've got Braun Strowman, who's unstoppable and who's won the match before. You've got Drew McIntyre, who clearly is on his way to being a main event player. You know, I think that there's a lot of ways you could go in this match that makes sense. Um, my first thought, when they announced the Raw 4, when they announced that Raw was putting Ricochet, Braun, Drew McIntyre, and Baron Corbin in this match, I said, this is Drew McIntyre's match. Drew McIntyre is going to win this briefcase. Then when they added Ali, Randy Orton, Andrade, and Finn Balor to the match, I said, you know what, I changed my mind. To me, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match should be Andrade's coming out party. The Money in the Bank briefcase for the men, I believe, will mean the most for Andrade. Uh, Andrade has unbelievable matches. Every match that he's had, I think, for the most part on the main roster has been great, and he gets given enough time to have good matches. I think that there is a faith in him. Um, He doesn't win all that often though and he hasn't been in any tremendous storylines you know it's interesting because I think that it seems like they really want him to be able to uh, do better interviews but realistically when you have somebody as talented as Zelina Vega talking for you who cares if Andrade ever speaks you know Um, but I think that uh, Andrade needs this oomph Andrade needs to be sitting there in the cut because realistically, I don't think Andrade is anywhere near the WWE Championship picture. But with Zelina Vega at his side, the fact that he could be a bad guy opportunist, the fact that, uh, you know, Kofi Kingston will always have to watch his back. Because if Drew McIntyre has the 
briefcase, then of course Seth Rollins has to watch his back. But let's be honest, Drew's going to get a shot at the Universal Championship pretty soon anyway. Um, You know, Ali, I feel like, you know, you don't, you, if he is to get a WWE Championship opportunity, you want him to maintain his underdog status. And cashing in that briefcase is not an underdog move. It's it's kind of a, a bad guy move. Um, so I think Andrade is the way to go, you know, um, just because I think that it's the most effective use of the contract that is inside that briefcase. On the women's side, again, I, uh, I did pretty well. Ember Moon, Mandy Rose, Bailey, Carmella, Alexa Bliss was the shocker. Dana Brooke, big shocker, but I predicted that with a twist. Naomi and Natalia. Um, you know, I still think that uh, we could see Sasha Banks come on and pull an edge where Edge took Kofi Kingston out of the Elimination Chamber match that year and entered himself. Uh, I could see Sasha Banks taking Dana Brooke out. You know, I, I do think that Sasha Banks will be back in a WWE ring. And when she does, I think that you should have her come back as a bad guy just because whether it's true or not, her frustrations with the company have been have become so publicly known that it would be silly not to capitalize on that. So I do think that Sasha Banks will take Dana Brooke out and enter this match. And if that does happen, Sasha Banks will clearly be the winner. Um, other than Sasha Banks winning, you know, I could see a couple of things happening. I don't see Natalia winning. I don't see Naomi winning for the same reason I didn't see Ali winning. Um, I think Naomi is criminally underrated and should... I mean, Naomi's the one. Dana Brooke is sitting here with this storyline that she's not given opportunities, but it's like, what opportunities has she earned? You know? She just talks about how hard she's working, but it's not a participation trophy. It's a championship. Uh, I think Naomi is the one that proves week in, week out she can have these great matches and she's the one who doesn't really get opportunities that are earned, not based on the fact that she's just there working, but based on the fact that she's better than most people. Uh, But I think that Naomi deserves to have that story of of working and busting ass to get it and not cashing in a briefcase. Um, You know, I, I think that we've... We've done the Alexa Bliss Money in the Bank thing. Um, I also don't really... I, I guess because we've had a couple starts and stops, Alexa Bliss entering the Royal Rumble, like she's never actually retired, but she's certainly not an active superstar. I don't know... I don't. I, that's why I don't have faith in her winning because I don't know that she's going to be a full-time member of the in-ring roster. So uh, Carmella is a pick. You know, Carmella won, uh, she won the Money in the Bank briefcase before, but this year she won the Andre Battle Royal. Uh, And I think that Carmella has proven that she can be a really effective bad guy or a really effective good guy. The stuff she's done with R-Truth has been great. And when you're that good of an all-around performer, I think that any match like this, you're a possibility. I think Carmella is a possibility. Um... I mean, I guess Dana Brooke is kind of a possibility just to for the shock and awe of the whole thing, but I really don't think Dana Brooke is going to win this match. 
Um, and I don't know where that would go anyway. Uh, I don't think Ember Moon's going to win. Mandy Rose could win. And if Mandy Rose won, if Sasha Banks is not in this match, and Mandy Rose... I think there's a good possibility that Mandy Rose wins because it would create a tension between her and Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville giving up her spot so that Mandy Rose got one. Mandy Rose wins, and now Sonya's like, oh my god, that could have been me, and I just gave it up. And Bailey, I think should only win if she finally turns into a bad guy, but I don't think that that would happen within... I mean, it could happen. I think if if it... My number one pick is still Sasha Banks taking Dana Brooke's place, but if it's these eight women in the match, I'm either going Bailey turns into a bad guy and wins, or Mandy Rose wins. And I'm kind of leaning more towards the Mandy Rose scenario. Mandy Rose wins and creates a jealousy between her and Sonya Deville. Let's get into story number three, which is uh, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Apparently they're vacated um, because Jeff Hardy is injured. And it appears the injury is legit. I don't know for sure. I don't know anything about it. I haven't spoken to either of uh, the boys of Hardy. Uh, But it really makes you question, you know, Matt Hardy said that the Hardy boys were far from done. And I don't know how long Jeff is going to be out for, but it goes back to the age question, which is how many years does Jeff Hardy, how many years do the Hardys have left? And how much would an injury like this take away from that? I mean, luckily they got the tag title victory. So it's going down in the record books. You know, that's another tag title that the Hardys have won. I think if you break it down, you could really make a strong argument that the Hardy boys are like the great are the greatest tag team of all time. You know, I think when you talk about the greatest tag team of all time, the Road Warriors is a name that comes up pretty frequently. The Dudley Boys is a name that a lot of people mention. Um, but realistically, I see, I feel like I've said the word realistically like a hundred times in this podcast. Again, it's late at night. I apologize. But I think that... Uh, I think that you could make a solid argument that the Hardy Boys are the best of all time. That said, uh, I don't know how much more time they have as a team. And I also feel like we're... I don't know that Matt Hardy, as a singles competitor, do we... Are we ready? Like, where does he go from here? Broken Matt is clearly done. His... His tandem with Bray Wyatt is clearly done. You know, Bray Wyatt's onto something that, by the way, that Firefly Funhouse skit on Raw this week, incredible. Even better than the first one. Sociopath. Um, But I'm a little worried that this could be the end of the Hardys altogether. You know, I think that at some point Matt will transition into an off-screen role, I hope, because he's like a wrestling genius. Um... But I don't know that there's another solo run in Matt Hardy, and it just remains to be seen what the Hardy boys have left in the tank. I hope not. I hope I'm just being pessimistic, but you never know. Uh, Story number two was broken by Kathy Kelly this evening. Kathy Kelly, of course, the guest on this week's podcast, but she also went on the internet and confirmed that we are getting the solo takeover. The solo takeover is happening Solo meaning that it's not patched on to a uh, WWE pay-per-view. 
apparently it's happening uh, June 1st is the date of the next NXT TakeOver, although no announcement has been made as to the where, as to the uh, location or the building or anything like that. That information is supposedly going to be dropped on Triple H's social media account on Monday, and that's when people find out where it is and uh, how they can get tickets. Now, that's less than a month lead time before TakeOver, and that's kind of nuts. Not only is it less than a month lead time, meaning no TV has been programmed leading up to this TakeOver special, but tickets haven't even gone on sale. So we'll see. You know, we were just talking with Kathy about the role that TakeOver has been on. Um, I think now, especially after the shakeup and everything changing, I think now we find out the strength of that NXT brand. I think that they're, they're owed a mulligan. You know, they're owed one that goes like, ah, that wasn't that great. But they keep not needing the mulligan. They keep delivering stuff that is great. So we're going to see here uh, exactly how it goes down. I think it's awesome that they're doing it solo. It's too bad. Well, I guess I don't know. You know, there were rumors that it was going to be in San Jose. Maybe it is going to be in San Jose still. You know, that's still one of my favorite live shows that I've ever seen, NXT or otherwise, the San Jose show before WrestleMania 31 that was not televised. I think that there's, on one of the NXT DVDs, the Hideo Itami-Tyler Breeze match is available, I think. Um, but it's like, you know, it's not, it's like hard cam footage or something. It's not like professionally TV shot. Um, but... I love that NXT is doing a solo show, not attached to a WWE pay-per-view, not piggybacking off anything, just going on the strength of the brand, um, and I'm, I'm ready to see what it does. I, I think that also, what choice do they have here? If they didn't do this solo show, even though it's kind of last minute, then do we not get a takeover until August? You know, waiting from WrestleMania to SummerSlam, it's a long time to wait between two takeovers. Um... So we'll see. You know, I, I think that uh, there's plenty of talent there. And like I said with Kathy, like they keep finding new ones, new talent to unearth. So uh, I'm still very optimistic about it. And I think it should be celebrated. Anybody that's a fan of NXT should really be celebrating the fact that this brand is branching out on its own. That it's it's not, uh, you know, oh, it's WrestleMania weekend and NXT had the best show of the weekend. It's... No, this is TakeOver's weekend. And I guess that's happening June 1st, and I'm excited. Number one story of the week. I woke up Tuesday morning, and I was... This is why having a Discord room is great. Because I woke up Wednesday uh, Wednesday morning, yeah. And in the Not Sam Shills Patreon Discord room, which everybody... I mean, you could for less than a dollar a week, you can be a first-level uh, money mark Not Sam Shell at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, and you'll get access to this Discord room, which every wrestling show, there's a group chat going on. There's group chats happening all day. There's people, you know, sending pictures of stuff. They're talking about the latest news. It's really, really a cool community tool. Uh, but I woke up, and there's all these uh, there's there's all these messages in Discord, and I go, what's everybody talking about? And then I look at Twitter, and John Moxley is trending. And I could not believe it. I said, whoa, Dean Ambrose, the whole time he was in WWE, 
never used Twitter. Now, I don't know if Dean Ambrose must have had an account or something at some point because I looked and for some reason I'm following John Moxley. So I don't know where, I don't know what this original account was that became John Moxley, but whatever. John Moxley, for those that don't know, was the name that Dean Ambrose used on the indies before he got to uh, WWE Developmental and they changed his name. John Moxley was really well known for the stuff he did in CZW, Combat Zone Wrestling. Uh, Deathmatch stuff, really. I mean, he became uh, very well known for all the crazy deathmatch stuff. And that's why it was so exciting. In this video, John Moxley, all he did was tweet out a video and it's and it's him, it's Ambrose, and he's inside a jail cell and he breaks out and the cops are after him and he has to hop over a fence and he has to go down barbed wire but he steals some of it with him and there's blood coming off of his hand and there's a uh, scratch numbers written on the wall and it's uh, two and five and uh, uh, double or nothing. AEW's pay-per-view is on the 25th. It's got everybody talking and I'm going, wow. I love that barbed wire thing with the blood because it's like, okay, this is the return of the John Moxley that uh, you remember if you were watching back then. Now, I don't know. So, you know, the uh, you would have to believe if John Moxley is going to wrestle anywhere, I mean, I guess he could go to New Japan, but you would have to believe that it's going to be for AEW, right? Like, I wouldn't think that John Moxley is just going to go back to being on the indies, and I wouldn't think that he's going to go to Ring of Honor, for example. You would have to believe that he's going to AEW. Now, I was listening to uh, an interview that uh, Chris Van Vliet, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's a great dude, Van Vliet, Van Vliet, whoever he is, he's on YouTube, he's got a whole YouTube channel full of great wrestling interviews, and he's an awesome dude, but he does good interviews, and he interviewed Tony Khan from AEW, who was saying all this stuff about uh, really how uh, they too were going to be uh, advertiser and family focused not so like kid focused I don't think but still this guy's a businessman they're worried about getting TV deals they're worried about pleasing advertisers so they're not going to be able to do straight up deathmatch stuff barbed wire blood and guts stuff so I wouldn't expect that you know I, I do expect that that's where Ambrose is going to pop up uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they are able to do a version of John Moxley that Ambrose doesn't feel like he's held captive. You know, I mean, based on the video and the fact that he apparently turned down really great money from WWE, who clearly were treating him well. I mean, on the way out, they completely celebrated the Shield and what a big deal Ambrose was and everything. Uh, so you would have to imagine it was a pretty big creative difference that led to them splitting up. That's my assumption anyway. That's what I believe. So you wonder if there's anywhere where John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, is going to do something that is worthwhile enough in terms of exposure and money, but still creatively free enough that he can do whatever he wants. I guess it remains to be seen. But I think that a lot of guys, and I was having a conversation with somebody else about this this week, I think that the real takeaway from this is within the wrestling community. They should be watching this video and saying, this is without the WWE's production help. 
this is not a WWE produced video. This is this is without it. You know, I was talking to Kathy Kelly about video editing and whatnot. This is something that like every kid knows how to do. You meet a twenty year old wrestling fan. Odds are, if he's got a brain in his head, he knows how to video edit, right? I think that all wrestlers, especially the ones outside of WWE, should be making really cool videos and vignettes that they're posting on social media, not just a guy talking into a phone, but like awesome stylized mini-movies like this that get people excited and, and explain what characters are. I think everybody in AEW should be putting out videos and should have their own YouTube channels and should be making these mini-movies, you know? I don't think that this is something that we have to act like, oh, you know, you have to be a big star like Dean Ambrose to pull something like this off. It's not true. There's so many cool things that you can do on video without, you know, putting a Hollywood budget into what you're doing that, that you're, you're it's foolish in 2019 not to. I think that, that if you are looking at getting into wrestling, you should be good in the ring, but then, you know, you gotta, you gotta build a buzz for yourself. You gotta tell the world that you've arrived, and what better way to do that than visually, than to put out a cool video that people can pass around to their friends who might not even know who you are. I think that that's the real lesson to take away, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I appreciate all you guys joining me here uh, on the State of Wrestling. Like I said, we work really hard to make sure that a Not Sam Wrestling podcast gets out for you each and every week, and I will continue to work hard to make sure that happens. Don't forget to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Wrestling, and we'll see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.